This morning we're going to move past that, uh, just a couple more verses, rereading some of the others as we look at the great commandment and now looking at a second great commandment like it. Uh, so please stand with me as we read the Word of God. We're going to be in Matthew 22, verses 34 uh, to 40, just tacking on a couple verses. We stand for a couple reasons. One, it's a sign of God moving um, in and through us as we live in Cleveland, and these are God's words. They're holy, they're reverent. Um, so feel free to read the screens if you want. Now's a good time, too, to go ahead and grab a Bible um, if you want that in the back. So Matthew 22, 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. God, this morning we come before you um, humbly wanting to learn more about your word. God, we want to be moved, want to love you, want to live in community, we want to serve the city. And God, every Sunday morning is our chance to see the gospel to see what you've done for us and what that implies for our lives. So God, this morning I pray that we can see your gospel and all its beauty once again and that the implications of it can last more than just this time on a Sunday morning together. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, so yesterday, I had a chance to, uh, to get a free Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's, thanks to a successful uh, contest at the Cavs game the other day, uh, a little timeout activity. The guy won, and they gave out all these free Denny's coupons. So, um, so I got to go out to Denny's yesterday, get a free Grand Slam, uh, and, and I went by myself. I really like to eat by myself only when I'm sermon prepping. Like, it's a good way for me to just feel like I'm just you know, breaking bread with Jesus as I'm sitting here writing. I hate eating by myself any other time outside of sermon prep. Um, one of my first friends in Italy told me there are two things that you will never do in Italy. One of them is spend a holiday by yourself, and the second one is to eat by yourself. Those are faux pas in Italy. You can't do either of those two things. Um, and I don't even know why I'm telling you that story. If you want to relate that to our text this morning, you can, but I'm not going to. Uh, but anyway, so I'm at Denny's. I'm drinking my coffee, enjoying my Grand Slam, reading my Bible, writing in my legal notepad, um, and, and just, uh, yeah, just in the Word. I kind of zone out when I do this a lot of times. It probably looks really awkward, but I'm at the bar, and behind uh, the, the bar, there was one of the workers, or two of the workers were talking, a guy and a girl, and the guy was asking the girl something about, um, her boyfriend playing a ukulele or something, and, and she said, oh, well, you know, he plays a banjo now. I got him a banjo for Christmas. And the banjo is awesome because it's really loud. And our neighbors, sometimes they listen to loud music, and it's annoying. So now we can go out, and he just goes outside with his banjo. It's really loud and just plays the banjo and just bothers him. It's awesome. And she was just talking about how great it was that they get to annoy their neighbors. And I noticed this because as I was literally writing the word neighbor is when she said the word neighbor. And I just thought, you know, this irony is, is hilarious to me. The fact that I'm here talking about neighbors and how we want to love our neighbors. And she is talking about how she wants 
to um, bother her neighbors and how great and delightful it is to bother neighbors. Um, and uh, Schadenfreuden is the best word I know. This is a German word which means um, actually enjoying taking pleasure in the pain of others. And um, I know Schadenfreuden well because I definitely do it a lot. Um, one of my friends often tells me, Philip, Schadenfreuden, that's what you're doing right now. When I look at somebody else's pain, somebody else's displeasure, and I think, oh, that's funny. That's cool. I like that. Ha ha. We do this a lot, right? Um, it's not a weird thing that she did this. And um, I think it's pretty natural for a lot of us to do this, but I don't think uh, I could say pretty confidently that this is not loving at all um, to take pleasure in other people's misfortune. And it's something that we don't want to do as believers, especially, um, but it's something that we're surrounded with all the time in this city. Last week, uh, we broke down the great commandment. We talked about loving God and how important that is. Now, love of God is what I would call a vertical relationship. God is higher than we are. He is perfect. He is holy. We are not. We are separated. And so our love of God is this vertical relationship that we work for. And then at the same time, our relationships with each other, with others, would be what I'm going to call a horizontal relationship, okay? So I have a horizontal relationship with you. We're on the same plane. We're on the same field. We're all in life together. These are horizontal relationships. So last week, we talked about these vertical relationships. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about these horizontal relationships and how important they are. And That comes from living in community. So last week, this vertical relationship, loving God. This week, horizontal relationships, living in community, loving our neighbors. They're synonymous. They're they're two things that we want to look at, that we need to look at. Um, And so so as we're doing this, uh, I wanted to share a little bit with you, because I don't think we've talked about it too much. Um, A few months ago now, maybe three or four, we had... Um, an elders retreat, more or less. We went to this cabin out in the middle of nowhere in western Ohio, um, and we just wanted to talk through things as a church, uh, Jeremy, Thomas, Brian, and myself. And so one of the things that we were talking through that we wanted to look into is uh, our motto as a church, love God, live in community, serve the city. Is this where we still feel God pulling us? Is this where we want uh, our church to be and to know and to follow and to pursue? Um, Does this still make sense? And one of the things that was brought to the table was, well, maybe instead of having it worded like that, maybe it should be love God, love in community, and love the city. That would make a lot of sense because, after all, we can't live in community without love. We can't serve the city without love. So maybe we should just keep all of them love. And then thinking more about it, well, we, we could do the same thing with all of these verbs and nouns. We could just interchange all of them. We can, you know, we could serve God and we can serve in community. We can serve the city. We can live in God, live in community, live in the city. All these things make sense. So in the end, it probably makes the most sense to just keep it how it is, which is what we ultimately did, um, and it still is the same. But we wanted to, within this, keeping it the same, help us understand more why they could be interchangeable, why it does make sense that love could be all of them, that live could be all of them, that serve could be all of them. And so we're here, we're still wanting to pursue 
pretty strictly these three, uh, again, I'll call it a mantra, motto, whatever, tagline, slogan for our church. Um, But Matthew 22 here is naturally taking us through through these first two. As last week we looked at loving God, and and this week we're going to look at um, living in community. And so I did something last week that maybe I shouldn't have done. I neglected these last two verses that we're looking at this morning because I wanted to very strictly focus on loving God. The great commandment. So that vertical relationship, it needs to be established, it needs to be understood above everything else. And so I wanted us to remember last week, uh, if we're going to remember anything, just that loving God in the city is hard. It's not easy, um, and, and we need to do it. And as difficult as it is, it's always worth it. And so this week we're going to be talking about um, living in community and how living in community is loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is living in community. And this, if you're going to remember anything, living in community is impossible without loving God. So these two commandments, they go together. Jesus tells them together. So I don't, um, you know, I, I would like to have talked to them about them together last week, but there's only so much time on a Sunday, so can't talk about everything. So last week we... Sh- Strictly talk about loving God. This week we're going to talk plenty more about loving God, but still looking at living in community as well. Um, so the second commandment is necessary. This horizontal love is necessary. Uh, otherwise, Jesus would not have offered up this answer. Jesus was asked for the great commandment. He was just asked one question, and he gave that one answer immediately. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, to, um, to love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That is the great commandment. He answered his question, but then he proceeds and he says some more here. He offers up a second that is like it. And then he offers up this concluding confusion about the law and the prophets for everybody listening. So uh, this morning, we're going to look at the context of the law and the prophets, what exactly that means for us. We're going to look at what it means to love yourself, as we see is in these verses. And we're going to look at what it means to love your neighbor. And so all of these things, again, are all stemming out of um, loving God before we can love others. So the law and the prophets this morning, similar to Jesus, uh, how he referenced Deuteronomy for the great commandment. Jesus is referencing um, something else that he actually previously said with the second commandment. He's referencing from um, the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you know it. We might know it better as the golden rule. Um, Matthew seven 12. Let's read that. You can flip to it if you want. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Same thing. Words it very similarly. Not the same, but very similarly. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is a biblical philosophy that definitely transcends Christianity. Public schools can still talk about the golden rule. They definitely cannot talk about Jesus. And so why is that okay? Well, this golden rule, it's a good moral. It's a good moral standard. It's a good moral concept. We like this idea. Um, And a lot of people in our culture today will say that that's what Jesus is. Jesus was a good moral teacher. He just talked about ethics, and that's all he was. And so I just want to take a little time now to say that's absolutely not what Jesus was. He was not just a moral teacher, and we can't can't bend on that. That's not what he was. He was a lot more than that. Jesus is Messiah. He is Savior, and he does demand all of your life. He's not just telling us good morals and good ethics that we should follow, like loving our neighbor. It goes beyond that. And as we talked about last week, with the Bible, we need this holistic view of the Bible in order, to understand, in order to understand life better. Creation, 
fall, redemption. Those three parts, our life, the Bible, nothing makes sense without all three of those parts. We need all three in order to explain God's love, in order to explain how we can love God and how God loves us. So the golden rule we see in Matthew seven twelve here, it's not, a, it's not a standalone idea. This is not just plopped in the middle of nothing. Um, and you can see that it's not standing alone because of how this verse starts. It starts with the word, so. Maybe another version you're looking at, it might start with, therefore. Either way, it's starting with a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Linking up words, phrases, and clauses. That is still on YouTube. I did look it up just for the, the memories of the glory days of being a kid. Good little ditty. Um, But so, this is pointing to the golden rule. So if this is a conjunction, it's connecting something. What is it connecting? Verses 7 to 11 before it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So these verses before the golden rule are pointing to our relationship with God and how he answers prayer. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, the door will be opened. Have a personal, vertical, loving relationship with God so that we can see what is the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, we're talking about how these two commandments is what... They depend on, in this verse, we're seeing that this is what it is. And so why do we say that this is it? Why is doing unto others as you would have them do to you? Why is that the law and the prophets? Shouldn't it be love God? Shouldn't that be the law and the prophets? Why is that? How did this happen? Did they transcribe it wrong? Did Jesus say it wrong? Um, Not at all. And so we see in our verse in chapter 22 that these two depend on the law and the prophets, but in this verse, it is the law and the prophets because this is just a sign. This loving of others is our manifestation of the love that we have for God. It has to be there. This invisible relationship that we have with God is expressed, it's manifested, manifested. it takes action in our love for other people. And so we cannot take one of these without the other one if we're going to be honest about what love really is. And so another verse related to love, the law, and our community. Look at what Paul writes in chapter 13 of Romans, verses 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we love each other, we fulfill the law, similar to the last passage with it is the law. It fulfills the law. It is, again, a little different than depending on both. But fulfilling here, it doesn't happen that we can fulfill the law by loving others without first loving God. Fulfilling the law by loving God is the only way that it expresses itself properly. Loving God is fulfilled when we love our neighbor. We see in Galatians 5, 13 to 14, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Through love, serve one another. Again, interchanging all these verbs. The whole law is fulfilled in this outward manifestation of an inward work for the love of God. So how are we to serve one another? How are we to love our neighbor? That's our question. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. And I think this is a very interesting concept. Again, we have some conflicting ideas, some competing arguments for uh, what this means in our society. The competing idea that, well, I must first love myself before I can do anything else. This idea of a self-help, uh, help yourself, a self-confidence idea. We're flooded with this in, in our society, TV, books, everything. Help yourself. If you want better relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, a fiancé, a husband, a wife, family relationships, whatever it is, if you want those to get better, well, you have to love yourself first is what society is going to tell us. And I don't think that that's necessarily biblical. Um, And here's why. First of all, if you struggle, if you are struggling right now in a relationship, which should be every one of us, I'm definitely struggling in relationships in some way, Um, whether, again, that's friendships, romantic relationships, um, significant others, work relationships, family relationships, whatever it is, if you're going to mend these relationships, it's not going to happen by you just loving yourself more. It's going to happen by loving God more. And if you've ever tried to control relationships in the past, hello, me, do this all the time, um, it doesn't end out good. It doesn't end out right. And that's because God, who is in control, sees the whole picture, and I can only see what's right in front of me right now. So again, creation, fall, redemption, all three of these is what we need. This is the picture that we need to be living out of in our lives. And so we don't need to love ourselves before we can show love to others. We need to love God. So Jesus still says, though, love them as you love yourself. What does that mean? Is it bad, then, to love yourself? It's not necessarily bad. Jesus is just saying here that it is inherent in each and every one of us. The verse in their original Greek context, their definition, um, it is assuming that we already love ourselves. Naturally, we do it. So what does that mean when I say I naturally love myself? I'm saying that you naturally love yourself. And you say, no, I don't. I make fun of myself all the time. It's the best way to get the laughs. You make fun of yourself. I'm my own biggest critic. People at work can't judge me because I do everything right anyway, so I have to be my own critic. I don't love myself at all. Why do you say that I love myself? Well, here's, here's what it's coming from. Here's how it stemmed from. Let me put it this way. When you leave this morning... Before you walk out that door, what are you going to do? You're probably going to put a coat on. I know I'm going to put a coat on because it's going to be cold outside. And so I need something to prevent me from getting cold. I need something to prevent me from freezing to death. So I'm going to put on a coat to keep me warm. That's loving myself. When I walked in this morning, I wanted to wake up a little bit. So what did I do? I did what I wanted to, and I drank some coffee. And I'm sure a lot of us did that. I had a thirst, so I quenched it. I went and I drank some coffee. And when I leave this morning, and every one of us at some point, we're going to leave and eventually we're going to eat because we're hungry. That's what we're going to do. And if you're like me, you're probably going to eat with somebody, like I said, because if it's not sermon prep, I want to eat with people. And it's because I like being around people. I like being liked. I like to be around people. So what am I going to do? I'm going to fulfill that so that I'm not lonely. And all of these are natural ways that we love ourselves. 
And in a sense, the reason we do these things is because we want to be happy. I want to live, and I want to be satisfied. I want to be happy. And so that's why I'm going to do the things that I do. It's a self-love. It's a desire to decrease the pain in my life and increase happiness and joy. So every single one of us has that desire for happiness. The person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, everywhere. You can point to your neighbor and say, I know that you desire to be happy, and you're all going to be right. A professor at Hiram, a political science professor, he starts his class um, every semester just by asking people why they do what they do, more or less taking those five whys like we talked about last week. Why do you do what you do? Why do you want to eat? Why do you want an education? Why do you want this? And everything in the end is going to come down to because you want to be happy. It's inherent in us that we want happiness, and that we desire happiness, and we desire not to be in pain. So that has been in us since before the fall, too. So it's not necessarily sinful in and of itself to want these things, but it's how we respond to these things now in our life right now that exposes whether or not these things are going to be sin in our lives. All these things that I mentioned earlier, these small examples, they're simple, they're natural, and it doesn't necessarily sound like you're loving yourself with those things, but, but you are. So if we love ourselves in those ways, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself, is that what I'm supposed to do for other people? See what Jesus says in Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40. Remember the same examples I just gave. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did this to me. So are you doing this? Are you treating others, your neighbors, the community that you live in? with this sort of sacrificial love. The things that you do for yourself, are you doing it for other people? And these words that Jesus shares in Matthew, it's not a completely new idea. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 10, 17 to 19. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. So love for ourselves is fulfilling needs and seeking happiness for ourselves. And this is what we should be doing and what we should be longing to do for others, for the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the outsider, anybody that's in Cleveland, whatever they are. We should be as concerned for their happiness as we are for our own. So just as naturally as we serve ourselves and our own wants and desires, we should be seeking ways to serve others. And if we do that, then we will truly be living in community. But this is a scary thought to do this, to love others and to serve others this way, because if I do that, then that's going to really cut into my me time. And if I love others the way that I love myself, then that means I won't have time to do these things for myself. So what you're really asking me to do here is to love others instead of loving myself. And I don't like that thought. Well, good. I'm happy you don't like that thought. And I think you're getting closer if you don't like that, if you're thinking that way. If you're understanding this impossibility to fulfill the law in your own power, 
or through your own attempt at goodness, then you're on the right track. You're now going to understand your need for a Savior. You can understand the beauty now of loving God. John Piper put it this way in regards to what we should do with our self-love. Take all your self-love, all your longing for joy and hope and love and security and fulfillment and significance. Take all that and focus it on God, is what we talked about last week, until he satisfies your heart and soul and mind. What you will find is that this is not a canceling out of self-love. This is a fulfillment and transformation of self-love. Self-love is the desire for life and satisfaction rather than frustration and death. God says, come to me and I will give you fullness of joy. I will satisfy your heart and soul and mind with my glory. This is the first and great commandment. So it's only from this full joy of knowing Jesus Christ, which we talked about last week, that we can now naturally pour love out to our neighbors. Since our love for ourselves now is actually seeking our identity in Jesus Christ, because we are loving God first and foremost, that turns into an overflow for loving our neighbor. So as you love yourself, the way that you love yourself is by finding your identity in Christ. Then do that for other people. Help them find their identity in Christ. Are we confused about how to love our neighbors? Are we confused about how to live in community? Follow God, and he's going to make that clear to you what you need to do. We need to love Christ more than anything else. Our self-love is actually sacrificial love of Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross for your sins. And now you have that personal love relationship with God. Pass that on. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets depend on loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor is this visible sign, this horizontal relationship that is only reflecting that vertical love relationship that you have with God. It's a love that only comes by sacrificing, like we said last week, every single thing that you have for him, giving him all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, everything. And so when we know God's love for us, we will now sacrifice willingly. And that is what true love is, is a willing sacrifice. So it's the same thing when we love our neighbor, when we love in community, when we live in community. We will willingly sacrifice for others in our community. We will willingly love others just as we love ourselves because our love for ourselves is now actually a God love because we gave our lives to him. And so that's our application point for today. You might have wanted something along the lines of this is what I can do and check off. This is what Gateway Downtown wants me to do to live in community. I'm not going to give us that checklist and it will make it harder for you to know, yes, I am or am not fulfilling my New Year's resolution. Um, but I don't want to give us that because I think it really looks different for all of us. Depending on where we are in life right now, depending on where we physically live right now, is how God will influence us in our community. Depending on what God wants to teach each one of us. All those things are going to change. So more important than a checklist for things that you can check often do, is two questions. Do you love God, and do you love your neighbor? And if your answer to the first is no, and your answer to the second is yes, then you're still missing the point. 
because that's not possible. The law and the prophets are impossible for us to keep. We cannot keep the law. Only Jesus Christ has done it, and he died for us so that we can live. Hebrews 10, 14 to 18. As we wrap up here. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, the law, which is impossible for us to keep on our own power, the law to love your neighbor as yourself, is not hanging and depending on you giving your winter coat to somebody that needs it. The law, loving your neighbor, is not depending on you feeding somebody that's hungry. No, doing these things, it is the law, but the law and the prophets depend on both loving your God and your neighbor. So if living in your community is not done as an outpouring of that tandem love, then you are not loving God, and it's still not love at all. And you haven't sacrificed everything for God yet. There can't be true love for your neighbor, true sacrifice with no hidden motives, with no selfish ambitions, with no prideful motives outside of first loving God and knowing your place as a child of God within that. So it's only when we've given every single thing that we have for him that we can now love others. Let's pray. God, we try so often to do the right thing. And the right thing is not supposed to be what we see on TV or hear from people all the time. The right thing is your word. And God, your word tells us that to have, we need to give up. Truly love, we can't do it on our own power. We need to love you. And so, God, I pray this morning that we can see the impossibility of the law on our own. That we cannot fulfill the law on our own. We can't just love our neighbor on our own. We can only do that through loving you first. And God, I pray that we can fall deeper in love with you. That we can love you, God. We can see the gospel for what it is. We can see your love for us for what it is. And that's complete sacrifice. Now in turn, we can sacrifice and love you. And now that's going to lead to us loving our neighbors. God, we want this vertical love relationship so that we can have horizontal love relationships. Help us this week. Help us see you. Help us follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.